CollegeFootball.com and the DLF family of podcasts. That's Tommy B. I'm the SFD. This is the Super Flex Super Show, and here we go. Week 14, standard operating procedures for your Super Flex leagues. <sighs> Must win time, Tommy. Like, th- at this point, we're... So... We had to kind of change up our some of our standard operating procedures a little bit, first of all, because uh, some people do play with uh, um, in dynasty leagues with uh, with trade deadlines. Not sure why that still is a thing, but OK, the purists still do that. Um, but not only that, you know, so we, we kind of had to change uh, our approach to buys and sells a little bit where. It's a little bit more of a buy into versus a fade type of scenario. Um, but I've also just noticed our our listenership kind of going down <laughs> the last few weeks as people get eliminated. So um, so yeah, I mean I think that we're right now talking mainly to teams that are headed for the playoffs. Yeah, and congratulations if you are. You and I were talking before we recorded and you've got some teams that are sort of on the fringe that we were working through um, some of these SOPs. And this is it, man. Like this is the last chance to really make a mark on your win loss record so that you can find your way into the playoffs. And once you're in, it's just coin flips the rest of the way, pretty much, even if you've got a really strong team or if you're facing one of those super contenders. So, yeah, I mean, those of you who are still here, glad to have you on board. Um, I think we should just get into it, though, John. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely agree. So some players just to make sure they're rostered. Josh Dobbs uh, is our quarterback for this week, although there's a decent chance that he's not even the starter in Minnesota, um, you know, at which point he doesn't belong on a roster. But it's very possible if if this doesn't happen if they don't switch to Nick Mullins you know the the talk was a potential quarterback change that very well could have led to Josh Dobbs being dropped in your leagues so just i stash him and make them actually make that switch because we were talking about this off there Nick Mullins great for fantasy purposes we would love to see that if we've got Justin Jefferson, TJ Hawkinson, or Jordan Addison. But in terms of winning NFL games, Josh Dobbs is your guy. So I don't know why they would make that move. Yep. Ezekiel Elliott, uh, New England running back um, with uh, Ramondre Stevenson going out with an ankle injury. Seems like it's likely going to be a multi-week type of thing. Um, If, for whatever reason, Zeke Elliott was dropped in your league's uh, pre, uh, prior to this week, prior to the Stevenson injury, um, make sure that he becomes a top priority at that point. Uh, Cedric Tillman, um, for Cleveland with Amari Cooper going out with a a head injury. And on top of that, we uh, second week in a row that he went out with an injury, um, by the way, uh, that likely leads to some missed time. Cedric Tillman leads the team in routes in snaps and routes uh once cooper went out so um elijah moore got all the targets cedric tillman is the one getting the most opportunities Uh, and then isaiah likely for baltimore 
um, coming off the bye, there's a possibility that uh, that he just got missed um, or, you know, someone couldn't hold a onesie position through a bye week. And so he might be available as well. And at that point, I think, again, becomes a very high priority for you this week. Yeah, totally. And we kind of catch a break on on the buys finally. Last week was miserable. The last set is just the Cardinals and the Washington Commanders. And then we're through the buys. We've done it. And we're getting some really great players back, too. You mentioned Justin Jefferson. I've been just impatiently waiting, looking at him in the IR spot. And this is the week, Super Friends. Like <laughs> We get 25 points in our wide receiver one spot, almost guaranteed. And I'm just so happy that it's happening right before the playoffs start. Don't you, um, this, this happens to me all the time with a situation like this. Like when he's about to come back, don't you wish you were just more aggressive in, uh, in trading for him while he was on IR? Oh yeah. Yeah. Because you see what the market value is at that time. And you're like, okay, I'll add 5%. I'll add a second round pick on top. And I'm going to get this deal done. And the manager who has him loves Justin Jefferson. And it takes a strong overpay to get him when, when these buy windows open up. And I wasn't nearly aggressive enough. I picked up two shares of Justin Jefferson while he was injured. And that's a mistake because I'm in too many leagues to only get two more shares of, of him. Because right now, all of the teams that I have Justin Jefferson on, they just got significantly better and I know for a fact that I have a higher odds of winning a playoff game now. And I should have been more aggressive, just like you. I mean, these these buy windows for superstars, they happen every few years. And we don't know the next time that Justin Jefferson's going to have one. Yeah, it. I, I ended up with a, a net zero <laughs> yeah. with, with him. I traded for him in one league trade did him away and got back CD lamb in another league. I feel great about that still, but um, yeah, just not enough of that. It also makes me wonder, you know, a guy who's not injured, but uh, might be a little bit devalued at the moment is Jamar chase. Yeah. You know, now that Jefferson is back, let's turn our attention to Jamar chase and let's be a little bit aggressive about it. And this is, it, you know, this is, it, it's going to be, it feels hot takey or maybe even hypocritical, <laughs> For us, you know, anti-wide receiver to be talking about this, but the entire point, just, to, you know, just to kind of come back to the, what the flywheel really kind of does, the, the entire goal is to get, you, it's not that you want bad wide receivers, it's just that you want as few of them as possible, and the better those guys are, the more, you know, set it and forget it, the guys that you have are going to be, the more efficient your roster is, the fewer wide receivers you have to carry. So, yeah, Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase, C.D. Lamb, that's still the goal yep. in, you know, in, in our dynasty leagues. We just want, we want to get, you know, young and lean and as elite as possible. Yeah, absolutely. And some of these guys that aren't as young are going to become available in the offseason. Just like, I mean, imagine what Keenan Allen cost last offseason. Mm -hmm. There are going to be some buy opportunities there. But what you want are the young guys. You want Amon Ross St. Brown because for the next three years, you feel really good about his situation. And then you'll just figure it out from there. 
Um, but we've got a lot of names to get through. I'm going to jump into some ads because, like I said, this is really the the last chance to improve your roster before the playoffs. At the quarterback position, uh, Mitch Trubisky. He filled in, I mean, just about how you'd expect Mitch Trubisky to fill in for the Pittsburgh Steelers with Kenny Pickett going out. And we found out that um, he underwent surgery today, Kenny Pickett did, for an ankle sprain. And it's time for, you know, a 14-point-per-game fill-in in the form of a Mitch Trubisky. I like the offensive weapons. The line has been playing pretty well, and the running game has improved. And so I'm imagining a very similar production and offensive flow to what Kenny Pickett was offering before. Um, a couple guys who were on by last week, um, Tommy DeVito and Aiden O'Connell, are these guys going to save your season? No, but they are performing right now around QB 20 to 25. And that's enough for a fill-in as a QB 3 or QB 4 um, if you're feeling a little gun-shy about your QB room and you want to bolster it with a little bit of depth. Another guy who I think would have a lot more ceiling um, if he does end up playing is Jameis Winston. So... I don't know if you saw the the Saints game, John, but when Derek Carr was going onto the field, the home fans were just raucous booing Derek Carr. And every time Taysom Hill went on the field in the quarterback position, the, the fans went nuts. They've had enough of Derek Carr. And the next guy up is not Taysom Hill. He can't run a complete offense. We've been through this whole song and dance before. It's Jameis Winston. And so I'm kind of excited about the possibility of Jameis Winston living in infamy on one of my contending dynasty squads. <laughs> yeah. I like that a lot too. He's just, man. It, and it's funny because as much as I hate Derek Carr, yeah. I was hammering Jameis Winston just as hard, if not harder. Uh, what five years ago, mm -hmm. um, you know, and there's the, the, 30 for 30 season like that just <laughs> I felt like that just kind of proved my point and then and so I was free to just say all right so now that we're clear on what Jameis Winston is now let's enjoy the positive 30 <laughs> and <laughs> and just kind of accept the negative 30 let's talk about what it takes to throw 30 touchdowns um, and ignore those 30 interceptions and think about just how fun that was yeah. And Jameis can get as hot as any quarterback in the league. And I, I don't know. It just feels like one of those inevitabilities for this fantasy season where we've had, I think, 52 starting quarterbacks um, across the league. Jameis is going to make an impact at some point over the next few weeks. Mm -hmm. Some other guys who could make an impact at the running back position, Tajay Spears, um, Derek Henry. It looked like he was being evaluated for a concussion. Um, Actually, I just saw a report today that maybe he's not in the concussion protocol. Um, mm. We're recording Monday afternoon. I'm not really sure what's going on there. And so Tajay Spears, at the very least, is a really strong ad. And he could become an every week starter for you if Derrick Henry starts to fade even more down the stretch. I'm, I'm really excited about Tajay Spears. Um, he, he almost belongs in the make sure they're rostered because he's been yeah. startable for most of this season. You yeah, know, between the the passing work that he get, he looks more explosive. Derrick Henry is definitely kind of turning into typical late season Derrick Henry, but Tajay Tajay Spears still looks more explosive, and we've been talking about that all season long. So, 
he's a flex consideration at worst. Mm-hmm. You know? So he should be, he should just already be rostered. Yeah, I started him last week with all the buys going on. So I agree with you there. Um, but if he is out there, put in a strong bid for him. Um, a couple of smaller bid guys, Kenny Gainwell, Philadelphia Eagles. Um, Swift got dinged up as well. And Gainwell is the uh, pass catcher in this backfield. He was, you know, carving out a role early in the season. He was fantasy viable for the first couple weeks but had faded in the middle parts of the season and a resurgence here. So we'll see what happens with Kenny Gainwell. He's somebody that if I'm in a 23 to 26 man uh, roster league, I'd be willing to, to bet bid five to 10% of my fab on a Kenny Gainwell. Um, a $1 bid guy is Chris Rodriguez with the Washington commanders. They're going on by this week. Um, but with Brian Robinson injured, Chris Rodriguez has a pretty strong opportunity to complement that backfield with Antonio Gibson. Um, he's somebody that I've been stashing in my deeper leagues really as much as I can. He's one of those players that always comes on and off my rosters. He's definitely going to be back on this week. Um, same with Ty Chandler, really an explosive running back um, coming off of a bye week. He has shown me more than Alexander Madison. And I think that he is one of those other flex worthy players. Um, So we'll see what happens there this week at wide receiver, Noah Brown. So we've got, you know, some really strong performances from Noah Brown really created by CJ Stroud. I was looking at the underlying metrics and Noah Brown feels like offense just kind of happens to him. Like he doesn't create anything. He is just, he's in the right opportunities and he has, someone who's making magic for him in CJ Stroud. Um, So I'm a little hesitant with this uh, roster move, but it's one that we can't ignore because he has 25 point potential on any given week. The the other thing, the other thing with Noah Brown has been that his production directly contradicts that of tank Dell. Like they've been kind of competing for the same targets all season. And when one of them is out, the other one, goes absolutely nuts yeah so you know tank dell out with a broken fibula ends his season at least for the fantasy season um most likely i don't i don't think you'll see him in the nfl playoffs either to be honest with you but uh like that's a that's a long-term um longer term recovery so noah brown has finally has that that uh you know that that group of targets that uh, that that role within that offense all to himself yeah the problem i have is there are other capable pass catchers as well um i'm not saying not to add noah brown i think he's a strong add i'm just not going to feel super confident when to start him and so i would only recommend doing this if you see a viable path to starting noah brown in your lineups during the fantasy playoffs Mm-hmm. Um, another guy, Xavier Gibson, New York Jets. That offense is terrible, but somebody has to catch footballs. And I watched <laughs> this game. He actually looked pretty good. I like Gibson. Um, have, yeah. Did you watch the Jets play this week? I watched a little bit of it. I, yeah. I know that they've been on this youth movement for the last few weeks now. Um, and, you know, Alan Lazard has been inactive. And I think mm-hmm. we talked about that last week. They're, you know, they've been getting away from Dalvin Cook they've been now they're kind of going back to him but they've been getting away from you know Randall Cobb and Alan Lazard and trying to get the young guys on the field even uh, 
you know, focusing a little bit more on Tyler Conklin and CJ uh, Uzoma, you know, mm-hmm. that's yeah. kind of the, kind of the, the path that they're trying to, they want to take a look at as many guys as possible. So Xavier Gibson is on the field a lot. Yeah. And he made a great sideline catch about 15 yards down the field on an out route. And when, when, young football players make, you know, those pop plays. It makes me notice. And I, I write down a note, you know, just to keep an eye on this guy. So Gibson's a, a good waiver ad. Um, same with Chigaconquo at the tight end position. He's one of those players that you were really into this off season. Um, and, and I think last year as well, John, just a strong yards per route run, um, a lot of hope going into the season. And he seems to be getting a connection now um, that Levis is in at quarterback. I'm not saying that this is going to be a league winner, but I see a Conquo as a pretty strong streaming option. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And man, they just cannot figure out anybody to throw to beyond DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. So Traylon Burke's finally active. I mean, he only played 10 snaps. Now, like, I think there's positive regression there. I think you. I don't know how much you're going to see of Traylon Burks the rest of this season. Mm -hmm. Kyle Phillips was a healthy scratch. It's like Chris Moore and uh, um, I don't even remember. Oh, uh, Nick Westbrook Akine. It's like those, those guys are running routes, but they're just kind of getting some cardio in. It's like the only guys that they actually throw to it's Hopkins. And now it's Chiggs. So, um, plus Josh Weil goes out with an injury. He was kind of the guy who was, uh, taking away receiving, um, snaps at the tight end position from Chig. So, uh, should op- o- open up even more opportunities. Um, but man, that's a tough one because we keep going back and forth on Chig. Like one week we'll have him as a, as a priority ad. And the next week we're, we're talking about dropping him again. And we've yeah. done that this season. So. Um, to me, uh, you know, I think it's primarily like Jameis Winston probably is your top priority. Um, but the, I, and I think Noah Brown is, is still a high priority. Um, I'm mainly interested in these running backs at this point, and we're going to talk more about this a little bit later, but, um, at this point in the season, to me, it's, it's a little bit more important to have the, you know, the, the running back depth. Um, and in particular get, you know, starting to get some of these, uh, some of these handcuffs on your roster, especially if you have the player who you're actually handcuffing (laughs) to me and I, I, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to kick a hornet's nest or anything with that, but (laughs) yeah, it's running backs and quarterbacks the rest of the way. Super friends. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Yep, Pretty much. And handcuff both. So let's get to next week, this week, because that's, uh, that's a little bit of a theme here. Um, We are going to talk about Terod Taylor possibly coming off IR. He's somebody to potentially stash. Um, Tommy DeVito has been okay, uh, but it's very possible that they feel, um, more secure, you know, getting getting reps for guys like Jalen Hyatt, for instance, with Terod Taylor at quarterback. Um, and then Jacoby Brissett, we've talked a lot about him. Sam Howell just, like, getting sacked every other play, it seems like. <laughs> um, and then, you know, the other angle for you in particular was the possibility that Ron Rivera gets fired and they switch to Jacoby Brissett 
uh, just for a little bit more um, stability for the remainder of the season. Um, Nick Mullins, uh, definitely stashing him just in case this is there's actual fire to go along with the smoke of potentially replacing Josh Dobbs. And Malik Malik Cunningham still looks like the most the highest upside quarterback certainly in New England. Uh, Bailey Zappi in his first start didn't couldn't even score a single point against the LA Chargers, and that defense has not been particularly good. It's not yeah. like it's not like it was a super tough assignment to find a field goal against that unit. <laughs> <laughs> and he couldn't do it. So now, you know, the the countdown had been on him, Mac Jones, until it finally ran out. We finally get Bailey Zappi. And now the countdown starts on him because I think Malik Cunningham is the guy you really want to see in New England. And then, like I said, talking about handcuffing, to me, it's a little bit more, you know, rather than going and getting like a, a Mitch Trubisky or an Aiden O'Connell, I think I would rather uh, I would rather handcuff my top quarterback right now and I'm really curious what you think about this but we were talking about Mike White with a potential you know if in injury or just a you know a, a just like let's just rest to a uh for the rest of the season and get ready for the playoffs uh, and then uh who's the oh uh, Marcus Mariota for the mm-hmm. Philadelphia Eagles. Um, same thing. You know, there's a there an injury to Jalen Hurts, and all of a sudden you've got the quarterback. I mean, not a particularly good one, but still he's throwing to AJ Brown and Devonta Smith and Dallas Goddard coming back, like uh, you know, DeAndre Swift behind him, um, and one of the best offensive lines in football. It it's it's a very, very fantasy friendly situation for a quarterback who ends up there. And there are kind of several different scenarios where that happens, you know? So to me, that's why I say, you know, rather than somebody who's currently starting, you know, he's going to start, but you also know that the floor is super low within Aiden O'Connell. Why not just, you know, get the handcuff for the guy that you're currently starting to a hurts, Mahomes, Josh Allen, you know, handcuff that guy and just kind of recognize the the uh, the upside that you're going to get knowing that you're going to need it. If you lose Jalen Hurts, you need a ton of upside and Aiden O'Connell is not going to get you that. I get that. And I think it's an interesting question. Um, I'm, I'm thinking about last year. Um, so I didn't have any Jimmy Garoppolo shares last year when he was a San Francisco 49er. And I did not have any Brock Purdy. I think where I would lean, especially if I'm a QBX team where I'm rostering five startable quarterbacks, I think leveraging the best offenses and their backup quarterbacks makes more sense to me than concerning myself with who my backup quarterbacks are. Because if I have Trevor Lawrence, CJ Beathard is not going to move the needle for me. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. it's, it's a fine offense. They pass a lot, whatever. I, I don't want to start CJ Beathard in the playoffs, um, but I would be interested in, in some of these better offenses, right? Um, some of these more explosive offenses, just like the Dolphins. So I think the Mike White archetype is exactly what I would be hunting out. I like that. 
Yeah. Um, we'll move on to running backs. DJ Dallas. We only have a couple um, at each position from here, but DJ Dallas uh, for Seattle and almost more of a, a priority ad at this point, just because uh, Kenneth Walker still dealing with the uh, his chest injury, oblique injury, whatever it is, mid body ish injury. And now Zach Charbonnet goes out with a leg injury. So, um, DJ Dallas right now in line to be the starting running back for Seattle. So I don't know that you're going to be able to sneak him through waivers and, and then stash him. Um, one guy that you definitely can though, is Jermichael hasty who, uh, for new, just recently signed by new England. And he's the only other running back that they have on active roster right now. It's yeah. old man, Elliot, and it's Jermichael hasty as long as Ramondre Stevenson is out. Now, they've got some guys on practice squad who likely get elevated for some depth, but Jamichael Hasty right now would be in line for the uh, the lion's share of the work if Ezekiel Elliott were to go down. I wouldn't be surprised to see him involved either way. Yeah. Yeah, um, he's pretty good, too. Like, he's not a bad running back. He's replacement level who can get the job done. I, I guess they sign a James Robinson type um backfill running back as well yeah i wouldn't be surprised by that either um a wide receiver i'm actually going to skip this first one because i think that he probably is pretty heavily rostered yep we'll just go straight to john mechie for houston um who just kind of slides up the depth chart with tank dell out for the season you know i still think that your primary weapons are going to be uh obviously Nico Collins, probably Noah Brown is number two. Robert Woods is still involved, but John Mechie really kind of provides a, a, a different dynamic than any of those other guys um, provide. Like you're, these are all like big, fast, you know, big body kind of red zone target type guys. John Mechie is kind of your slot receiver. Um, get him in some, get him in space with some speed. Um, with you know, in the open field, so um, there's a possibility here that John Mechie just kind of carves out his own role completely separate from the rest of that receiving core where he's not necessarily competing for the same type of targets. A tight end, Darren Waller, um, potentially coming back for the Giants. Uh, Zach Ertz right now is a free agent trying to sign with a contender. There are some contenders who could really use some help at tight end right now. And if Dallas Goddard isn't ready to come back to the Philadelphia Eagles, I would absolutely start with them. Uh, Lucas Kroll for Denver led the team in tight end routes. We talked about him last week, and now um, he, uh, he, he's the primary receiving tight end for the Denver Broncos until Greg Dulcich gets back, which you might not see him again for this season. It might be Lucas Kroll the rest of the way. Um, got the target in the end zone uh, for the game winner that got intercepted. Um, they're 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 ready to turn over receiving duties to him. And then, of course, we got to talk about Tegan Quatoriano because Dalton Schultz is still injured. Brevin Jordan gives you a he was involved. He was on the field. <laughs> he didn't do a lot with it, but uh, they're. It's it's really who gets back first. Is it Dalton Schultz or is it Tegan Quatoriano? Because whoever it is is going to be their top receiving tight end. And I'm telling you, if it's TQ, league winner. So stash him. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know how many more times we need to say it. I have not seen his <laughs> roster ship go up. So clearly, you know, there's still time, but just make that's the move it. now. He, he's coming back from his own injury. He's he's ready to ascend into this role. You just have to roster him. That's the thing. I don't think we necessarily needed to say it more than once, but we <laughs> we said it what 14 times now. <laughs> so you certainly um, have. <laughs> 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 yeah and it's been it's been a real roller coaster for you for a while there it was oh this is intriguing and then it was just like <laughs> all right there isn't actually a path this is just a bit at this point and then right back on track so yeah uh, it feels like right one of those on games board. you play when you're on like a long road trip or something with your friends <laughs> and you find some ridiculous thread and you pull it until there's nothing left yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that leads us right into some drops, though, because I've got a couple guys who have nothing left to give us this fantasy year. Um, the first one, Dalvin Cook. If you're holding him on name value and you saw him get, I think he had a season high in touches with like 11, 35 yards and a 10-yard catch. Don't hold this guy. He doesn't have it. And if Brees goes down, I don't see any ceiling for Dalvin Cook. We're at the point in the season where we're not just looking for spot starts. We're looking for ceiling. We need upside because the, the teams that you're going to be facing are the good teams. You're no longer dealing with, you know, a two and 11 team. You're going to deal with contenders now. And I can't imagine any team that I have that has a winning record starting Dalvin Cook. Just get rid of him. Let somebody else roster him if they want to. Like, it, it's time. Um, same with Derek Carr. Like, I kind of feel for the guy now. He's, he's had some injuries. He may have been concussed, but the last three weeks he's averaging under 10 points per game. So even if you're, he's your QB two, he's not adding anything you can't find at the running back or wide receiver position. Or if you're in a tight end premium league, you can capably, you know, play Taysom Hill in front of him and get 15 to 20 points per game. It's, it's not a bad idea right now in a redraft league and Honestly, in like a, you know, those really short dynasty leagues, 20 man super flex leagues, I'd be willing to get rid of Derek Carr. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Or like I've got a league that has a position limit of yeah. uh, three quarterbacks. I don't think that Derek Carr has to be rostered in, in that type of setup. Um, but again, I think he's awful. So, uh, I'm dropping Marvin Mims. Um, his snap share just keeps going, dra uh, dropping every week. Um, targeted a little bit more this week, but just couldn't do anything with it. Um, they just, they just refuse to get the ball into his hands, and I don't understand it. But I'm just going to lean into it at this point. And then Tyler Algier uh, also losing um, snap share to a point where. Bijan Robinson left him with a 25% snap share that he had to split between himself and Cordero Patterson and Patterson got the majority of the work. Like if, if those two guys are going to try and split a quarter of the snaps, neither of them even belongs on a roster. Yeah. And wide receivers who don't hit their rookie year, have like a 1% chance of hitting in future years. It's just, if, if you don't get good production early out the gate, sell, drop, do what you have to, to get those players off your roster. Oh man, that's sad. Yeah. yeah. Um, speaking of that, 
I'm fading Jamison Williams, um, who I he didn't hit it in his rookie year. And sure enough, the just the 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 explosive plays are there. That's just not the type of thing that I'm willing to chase. Yep. The rushing touchdown, that's not something I'm gonna chase. What I'm gonna chase is target share, and he caught his only target this week. In a game where they were obviously throwing a lot, Amon Ross St. Brown and Sam Laporta um, got the majority of the work, but you can't even find a second target for Jamison Williams, then I have no interest in him. Yeah. Yeah, totally replacement level, probably below. Um, the guy I'm fading is the QB10 on the season, and that's Sam Howell. I'm, I'm not fading him for the sacks. We've already talked about that a few times this year. I'm fading Sam Howell um, because I see a coaching change coming soon. I think everybody does. And, you know, for the past 13 weeks, Sam Howell has dropped back and attempted 39 passes per game. And that is outrageous. If there's a coaching change, I would imagine the offense is going to become more conservative or at the very least different. And when you have a player like Sam Howell, who's a later round draft pick with a tenuous hold on his job, with a imminent coaching change and new ownership, you just move on if you can. Find a way to move laterally or temper your expectations because what has been happening is unlikely to continue because it's been a failure from a football standpoint. Man, it's such a, it's such a tough one with Sam Howell. Because, let me ask you this. Yeah. When you when you watch Sam Howe play, do you see one of the top thirty two uh, quarterbacks in the NFL? I was texting my friends. He looks like a toddler playing out there, like like in a in a grown man's body. But he looks like how a toddler would play football. He's frenetic. <laughs> he makes terrible choices. He's really fun and exciting, and it's just like the good and the bad are so disparate. There is no middle ground with this guy that I don't think that succeeds as well as it does in the college game where that's almost embraced that play style. In the NFL, yes, we're allowing more college themes to seep into the, the pro game, but it's still a game of delivering footballs on time with accuracy and minimizing mistakes. And that's just not Sam Howell's game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I could see that. I just, at the same time, you know, in a league where Aiden O'Connell and Desmond Ritter, you know, those guys are starting quarterbacks. Uh, it, it, it's really hard for me to believe that there isn't a starting job somewhere for Sam Howell, but I, you know, part of it is, not only does he have to survive a coaching change, if he doesn't, then he somehow has to escape Washington. Yep. And not totally sure that that happens either. So you're if, probably right. It, it, it makes me sad, but you're probably right. If he had Jameis Winston's draft pedigree, I would say they're on a very similar trajectory. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't. And that's there's so many things that just give me pause where I can't enjoy what Sam Howell is, which is an exciting football player to watch. It's just the cards are stacked against him. Yeah. How about some players we can buy into or hold on to for contenders? Yeah, I've got a few. Um, one, I just want to 
reinforced that Cooper Cup is a good football player. That apparently has come into question <laughs> over the past, you know, several weeks. Really? 2.15 yards per route run, uh, running 77% of routes on the year, 29% of the time he's the first read. These are all really strong numbers. I get that the production has been up and down and mostly down, and we're frustrated with injury. We're worried about the age cliff. Cooper Cup still has it. He is an amazing football player. If you can buy him at any discount, please do so. I'm seeing him go um, somewhere in the neighborhood of a first plus a small add-on, a mid-first plus a small add-on. I'm cool with that, especially if I'm a strong contender. Um, if you want to spend a little bit less and you're hurting at the running back position, I'm just going to shotgun some names at you, John. Tell me what you think. Um, Antonio Gibson, much improved opportunity down the stretch here with Brian Robinson going down. Keaton Mitchell, um, just betting on an explosive athlete at the running back position in an offense that I like, that you have some doubts with the quarterback, but the running game has been really strong. Um, Aaron Jones as well, sort of a forgotten man. He's been dealing with hamstring injuries. I think he's going to have a pretty strong run down the stretch. Great pass catcher. That Packers offense has really come alive of late, and I'm excited about potentially adding Aaron Jones for a second. Would you pay a second for any of these guys? Oh, yeah, gladly for any yeah. of those guys. Yeah, um, especially if it's a contender second, you know. But even then, like, even if it's not, even if someone's asking kind of an early mid type of second for, you know, Antonio Gibson, it's like they're they're basically telling you this is what it costs to win a championship. So, yeah, like, yeah, yeah I'll do that. <laughs> I'll gladly do that. Uh, I am, I'm, I'm buying Bijan Robinson again, 75% snap share, um, this past week. He's, as he's finally just kind of taken over that backfield. Um, I don't know what changed with Arthur Smith, but, uh, he's finally willing to give the workload to Bijan Robinson. Next four opponents are all bottom 10 matchups. Um, so you, you're finishing the, the season very strong with B. John Robinson. And then Trey McBride is just uh, like with Hollywood Brown injured. Michael Wilson has been out. Um, Zach Ertz moves on. I, at this point, Trey McBride is option number one for Kyler Murray. So, uh, you know, anyone who thought that this was going to go away, there's, there's just absolutely no reason to. He's, he's Kelsey in that offense. What are you willing to pay to get into Trey McBride? Almost whatever it takes. Um, I won't, I, I, I won't quite go Mark Andrews straight up, um, but McBride in a little bit for Mark Andrews. That's the type of move I would make. I know you hate that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, Laporta and Kincaid, like I think they're in kind of the same tier. I think it's, pretty close to a, a straight up move there as well yeah he's one of those guys where it feels like found money if you roster him and i would imagine unlike a sam laporta the manager rostering trey mcbride might be more willing to deal him so i think you can get a deal done right now yeah yeah that's 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 kind of what i'd be willing to do if you know if i run into a tough negotiator but yeah. I think you're going to get it done quite a bit cheaper than what I'm talking about. I agree. Yeah. Who are you selling, John? 
I am selling CD Lamb, and I hate to say it because <laughs> I love CD Lamb, and that's one. It, it feels like one of my better calls for the season. Well, you know, I was I was talking about him as uh, being a potential wide receiver one for the season. He's number two right now. I don't know how he's going to get past Tyreek Hill, who's on pace for two thousand yards. Yeah, but uh, you know, wide receiver two is well within reach, and he's on absolute fire right now. Um, he's going to win a lot of people, a lot of fantasy leagues, and then that's the time to dump him. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> the, the, the likelihood of a repeat is just not there. And we'll go all the way back to the conversation about Justin Jefferson and his limited upside following a wide receiver one overall season. Make that the reference point. This is why we're moving on from, and not not just C.D. Lamb, but Tyreek Hill and probably A.J. Brown as well. Yeah, I don't want to make this a dynasty ranking conversation, but would you trade C.D. Lamb straight up for Jamar Chase right now? Like, given the context of where we're at, you know, we're contending right now. Um, I think a lot of people in a vacuum would take Jamar Chase over C.D. Lamb, but mm -hmm. C.D.'s averaging like 28 points per game over the last few weeks he's been on fire and jamar chase has a really tough situation yeah yeah if you're contending you can't you can't sell cd lamb mm -hmm. um but yeah it's a little bit more of a you know if if you're if you're accepting a you know a little bit of a rebuild if you're accepting that you're not going to make a playoff run here then cd lamb you know this this was kind of your opportunity for to get CD Lamb is one of the infinity stones. Yeah. And totally. after this season it's gone. So if you're not going to use him for that, if you're not going to use him to finish off the season and and go get a championship, yeah, move him right now and you if you can get Jamar Chase straight up, I think you do it. Yeah. I like that one. Um one guy on my sales list is actually a guy I was trying to buy last week. Um in a league that you and I are in, John, the the manager of Jordan Love put him on the trade bait for a single first. And so I offered my 25 first and I got rejected for Jordan Love. Um, oh, I'm a little disappointed because that felt like good value, especially given how Love has played the last few weeks. Mm -hmm. It feels like there is a consensus forming that Jordan Love is a good football player, that he's a stable fantasy asset at the super flex position. And that's worth quite a bit to me. But if it's worth that much to my league mates, I'm willing to move off of Jordan Love based on recent trades that I've seen. I saw him go for what appears to be the 102 or the 103 in the 2024 draft. Mm -hmm. um, I've also seen him packaged with Kenneth Walker to get Joe Burrow. And I think those are both really wow. savvy moves to cash in on a player that we're all recognizing is probably a pretty good football player who has developed into something that we want to play in our fantasy lineups. Yeah, absolutely. He, I almost had him as next year this year for rebuilders, mm -hmm. but the problem is he's just raised his stock a little too much right now. To yeah, I think you're in sell territory. Don't forget, he's on a one year contract. Like, there's no guarantee that he's back in Green Bay. We'll see how this season ends. I think they may have done some weird adjustment to his contract where he has like two option years on top, but I, I could be wrong there. Yeah. Yeah. I think they had options, but uh, yeah, like the base was a one year. Um, I gotcha. Yeah. So 
And I don't think they've exercised those options just yet. Okay. Um, yeah. Something to keep but, an eye on for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I like that one a lot too. That, that makes a lot of sense. So let's talk about our next year this year for rebuilders. Um, first time I'm, uh, Going after Jameer Gibbs, who's giving up quite a bit of work on the ground right now to David Montgomery. And so, you know, a contender might feel like you've got a pretty low ceiling with Jameer Gibbs right at the moment, which is probably true. For the remainder of the season, I think that that ceiling is really fairly low when you're talking strictly receiving work. But I think going forward, starting in 2024, I think you start to see him take on more of a bell, a bell cow type of role. Yeah. And then I'm also, uh, I'm also buying Kenny Pickett right now. And I, that's another one that I hate to admit. I, I, I hate that. I just said that out loud because I can't stand Kenny Pickett. I think he's, I still don't think he's a very good quarterback. Yeah. Um, but I think that, uh, you know, firing Matt Canada, I think unlocked a little, bit more firepower a little bit more juice in that offense um and i think that we're about to to find out that there probably actually is a difference between kenny pickett and mitch trubisky um and that it's a significantly higher overall floor with kenny or uh, overall ceiling uh with kenny pickett um, yeah you and i were talking about kenny pickett off air um, and we sort of arrived at the 201 of next year's rookie draft as the demarcation between a buy and a sell. Um, does that sound right to you, John? Yeah, I mean, I'd probably call it more like 112. 112. Um, just because to me, like every every starting quarterback with any amount of job security at all should be worth a first. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know. I still think we're splitting hairs and we've talked about this before. I don't know that there's, there, there shouldn't be nearly as much of a value difference between one twelve and two Oh one as there is <laughs> like, yeah, there's just, it's just the psychology, you know? Totally. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. So I'm going to get to my next year, this year guy, and it is my QB one overall. But he hasn't been performing that way. Just two points per game over a replacement level quarterback. That's Patrick Mahomes. He has been not good. He's been bad the last, mm-hmm. I don't know, eight or so weeks. He has not been helping you uh, with your fantasy lineups. He's almost been hurting you. In a few weeks, he's been putting up single digit points. But that is a huge buy opportunity because I refuse to believe that Patrick Mahomes is anything but the quarterback one for the foreseeable future. So I went in the DLF trade finder um, and I found some deals that I would certainly do. They all feel like slam dunks to me. I'm just going to list off all three and then I want to get your feedback, John. Um, So the first one, somebody traded Joe Burrow, a 24 second and third for Patrick Mahomes. The second deal. I know. I'm going to get through all three and then we can talk through them. The second yeah. one, somebody traded the 101 for Patrick Mahomes. I could not believe it. No salary cap, no crazy league settings. The 101. Just, just straight up, we're, we're saying Caleb Williams. <laughs> yeah. it, I, I mean, first we're saying Caleb Williams is 101, and then we're saying that he's better than Pat Mahomes. Couldn't believe it. Um, <laughs> third one. And I, this is the one deal that I get more than the others. And I still would not do it. And that's Dak Prescott and Tony Pollard for Patrick Mahomes. 
this is the value dip that we're seeing right now. Real trades completed for Patrick Mahomes. I get that he's not playing well right now, but please walk me through how any of these deals get done. Yeah, it, they they shouldn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, they shouldn't ever. Um, I, you know, I, I guess like if you were contending right now, uh, and you know, Pat Mahomes is really kind of holding you back. Dak Prescott is on fire. Like I can at least understand the logic behind it. I still don't think it's a move to make. Part of the problem is you devalue Dak by, you know, taking on the sweetener of Tony Pollard, who yep. is directly contradicts Dak Prescott scoring. If t- if Tony Pollard rushes for a touchdown. That's one fewer passing touchdown that Dak Prescott won't be able to get in that game. So anytime Tony Pollard has a ball in his hands, he's taking away from Dak Prescott. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, even still, like even with a a more sensical, you know, more logical uh, kicker on top of Dak Prescott, it's got to be a lot more than, you know, a, a, kind of a mid-range running back too yeah i wouldn't take any of these deals if you added on a 25 random first yeah old mahomes i know it's tough right now i have mahomes in seven seven different super flex leagues it's not easy but it will be better come off season when you still have patrick mahomes on your team yeah is there a running back you would take as a kicker on top of dak prescott for mahomes like I'm even thinking, like if I if I had Mahomes and I was offered Dak Prescott and Bijan Robinson right now, I still don't think I'm doing that. I'm sticking with Pat Mahomes. It's so tempting. I wouldn't do it though. I right. You can't trade Patrick Mahomes right now. You can't do it. That is yeah. a even deal. That's a fair deal. You do not trade Patrick Mahomes in a fair deal. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly it. Um, all right. How about some lineup hacks real quick? And then we'll see if we have some uh, strategic thinking that we can hit on. Uh, I'm just going week 14 at this point. Some players that you might be considering benching that I don't think you should. Some players that you might be considering starting that I think that you should uh, find an alternative. Um, we're in must win territory for a lot of people right now. So um, we're not even. Uh, not in a position to look ahead. We're just looking directly at week 14, getting you into the playoffs. So at quarterback, Justin Fields gets Detroit. It's the third best matchup, plus a very, very good game script where they're going to, as much as Chicago is going to want to run the ball with Khalil Herbert, Roshan Johnson, possibly Donta Foreman if he's healthy, Detroit is going to take that away and they're going to take it away quick. (laughs) It's going to be the Justin Fields show for three quarters of this game. So if you're worried about Justin Fields, this is not the week to bench him. Uh, On the other hand, though, Matthew Stafford, who's already banged up, plus his weapons are banged up. Now he gets the worst possible matchup for quarterbacks. He gets the Baltimore Ravens. It would I would have to be very, very desperate to start Matthew Stafford at the super flex position. Um, and that includes, it, it would also include not having some non quarterback options is what it would take for me to start Matthew Stafford this week. 
at running back. Alexander Madison and Ty Chandler, they get Las Vegas. That's the best matchup possible. Plus, it should be a, get, a good game script. Should be low scoring. They might even be working in a new quarterback with Nick Mullins, which means a lot of turning and handing off. Uh, that's the training wheels. On the other hand, though, Zeke Elliott, we just talked about him, is make sure he's rostered. Make sure you're not starting him this week, though. Second worst <laughs> matchup possible against Pittsburgh. And that game script could go the wrong way very quickly as well. Um, just because of New England's complete inability to score points. A wide receiver, Rashi Rice gets Buffalo. Second best matchup possible for a wide receiver. And a very, very good game script in what's likely to be a shootout. We just talked about the struggles of Pat Mahomes. You don't have the you you, you just don't have the luxury of struggling offensively against the Buffalo Bills. On the other hand, though, Calvin Ridley gets Cleveland. That's a worst possible matchup. Um, also likely to be a, a pretty negative game script for the passing game. Love Trevor Lawrence, but I think you're going to see them, uh, you know, milking the clock and running the ball a lot against a, a Cleveland offense that's mediocre at best. And then a tight end, Isaiah Likely, we just talked about uh, how bad the matchup is for the Rams. It's equally good <laughs> for the Baltimore Ravens. And in particular, Isaiah, in particular, Isaiah Likely, um, best possible matchup for a tight end. On the other side, though, Dalton Schultz versus the New York Jets. It's the second worst matchup. He's coming off an injury. And then, of course, looming large is Tegan Quatoriano. Yeah, if Tegan's not available, I the Isaiah Likely ad last week was critical for me because I had so many tight end injuries because I had so much Mark Andrews. Isaiah Likely could be a league winner. He's one of those players that, what did he have? Like six targets, four catches for 40 yards, something like that in his mm -hmm. first starting opportunity this year like this is going to be a big option for you especially in tight end premium leagues he's somebody that if you want an extra transaction go trade for isaiah likely i think you can get him pretty cheap right now yeah man the dog pound hated my uh when i said that the browns <laughs> offense is mid uh <laughs> yeah i have three very large dogs sorry everybody <laughs> that's all right we're, we're we're used to it it happens on a lot of podcasts um i just don't have any pets so you don't you don't hear anything um but yeah isaiah likely is so it feels with here's the problem it feels so obvious with isaiah likely that the most likely scenario, the pun not at all intended, um, is, I, I mean, it ends up being a, a very disappointing performance. Yeah, it's just the volume is there. And when the volume is there at tight end, like just chase it as long as you can. And he's got a four-week stretch here where I want him in my starting lineups. Yeah. So here's we only have a few minutes. That should be all we need. Because my question to you is, what do you do when? Uh, uh, so it's it, we had, we kind of talked about you know when do you accept that you're not a contender? I have a scenario that I think a lot of people are running into after the 
just the the avalanche of injuries this week uh it it it's less about accepting that you're not a contender and it's more about what do you do when you're headed for the playoffs and all of a sudden you don't have a contending roster anymore so it's less about accepting it and it's more about you know i identifying it and saying okay so what the hell am i supposed to do here with this playoff run yeah i i think that this comes down to what seed you are, right? So if you have a buy, you've got about a, I don't know, 25-ish percent chance of winning the championship. And so if I am a paper tiger, if I've lost Ramondre Stevenson and Brian Robinson and Mark Andrews and Jonathan Taylor, you know, all of the win now pieces that I thought were going to carry me to a championship, Mm -hmm. I am still not willing to unnecessarily part with future assets, you know, first round picks, young studs like Garrett Wilson, like that is not the approach that I'm going to take. I'm going to be realistic that I'm in these coin flip games and I've just been able to miss one, you know, by having the buy. Um, And so I will spend for some of those second round running backs that we talked about, you know, like an Antonio Gibson to backfill the position just to get me through the next couple of weeks but I am not an all in type of person, even though I want to win um, because we don't know what's going to happen on a week to week standpoint. Um, who's to say that Ty Chandler isn't the league winner that none of us were expecting, but you've got on your roster right now. And so if you don't look like a contender, but you have the um, winning record, I, I'm a stubborn person. I'm not giving up. I am not going to, just say like, oh, well, I'm going to build for next year. And I think that's the impulse of a lot of folks is to trade away um, aging pieces, you know, a Cooper Cup or Ramondre Stevenson who's injured and just say, hey, I'm, I'm cashing in. I know I'm in the playoffs, but I don't have a chance. That's not me. I, I hate doing that. Um, and there's a, a middle ground somewhere between going and getting Derrick Henry, <laughs> you know, paying a first for Derrick Henry. And just giving up. And I think that we need to embrace that a little bit more. Um, I imagine you're asking this because you've got a, a team or two that just got ravaged by injury. Is that true? Yeah. I, yeah. I've got one in particular that it really just kind of serves as a cautionary tale here. You know, um, I really kind of was going all in. Now, this team is fifth in record. Uh, well, yeah. Yeah. Fifth, a game uh one game behind um second place mm-hmm. um but fifth best record like eighth in points something like that but it's really because of a slow start to the season it's not a like a you know an every week thing um and a big thing was cooper cup came back jonathan taylor came back um it, you know they're uh, baker mayfield playing well through bye weeks um, is the backup to uh, Tua and Justin Fields. Um, you know, Justin Fields coming on a little bit, that made a pretty big difference. So, you know, it's it's not like this team has been underperforming all season. It just started very slow, now way behind in points, but still going to make the playoffs. But when it started coming together, I start making some trades. I start making all-in type of trades. And I end up with you know, Keenan Allen, uh, and uh, yeah, man, the, yeah, this is where it really gets rough at running back. 
Um, already had Brees Hall and Jonathan Taylor. I add Ramondre Stevenson, Brian Robinson, DeAndre Swift, all hurt. Jalen Warren, who's now losing work to Najee Harris. And it's it at this moment, I'm not totally sure who I'm starting at running back this week. I'm Brees Hall gets another start. I don't want to. I was looking forward to being able to get away from Brees Hall, but he's going to be one of my only healthy guys. And it might be something like Justice Hill or Jarek McKinnon if all these guys are out, you know? So, so I am legitimately looking at a fifth seed. There's no way I fall out of that with one more week to play. Yeah. Um, but like, it, it it doesn't feel like a team that can win more than a game, you know? Here's the thing, though. You built a flywheel. Like, if we use that term more literally, a flywheel can withstand some of these losses in momentum and keep spinning. You've lost some momentum, and that's okay because you built your team in a way that was meant to bludgeon people through the running back position. And I think that runs counter to... Twitter to the fantasy space as a whole in a lot of ways. Um, but there's a lot of advantages to it because all that you've done right now by accruing all of these injuries is put yourself in the same boat as everyone else. Now you would just have to pick the right players before you didn't before you were using a philosophy and a strategy that is proven to work. You throw enough bodies at this position and you can carry yourself through an entire season. Typically but you've hit the bad side of variance. This does not mean that you're done. This means that you now have to pick the right players. You have to get a little bit lucky in those selections, but you have the same opportunity that everyone else has. And this is what other people have been dealing with. It's just, they have strengths in other positions. And so they've been trying to overcome bad choices. You only have to be right two or three times. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly it. And you know, we were talking about this off air. This also is a little bit of an argument in favor of the portfolio approach because I have another roster that's built very similarly. Um, that's uh, you know meant to be a flywheel. I didn't end up with quarterback extreme very long, um, but you know I'm strong at quarterback in that league still. Just don't have as much depth as I would have liked, uh, and uh, you know lean at wide receiver. Um, you know, good enough at tight end that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, it's not like I'm at a disadvantage against most teams, um, you know, unless they have Sam Laporta basically or Trey McBride right at the moment. Uh, and then heavy running back. And I built it the exact same way. It's just that in this case, I ended up getting the names right. So now I've got Devin Achan and Bijan Robinson and Travis Etienne and uh, you know Ty Chandler behind um, you know is is kind of a, a a little bit of a a flyer a lotto ticket type of guy um, Ty J Spears you know like healthy young healthy guys who are ready to kind of take over a, a significant role for their team Chris Rodriguez is on that team I believe so nice you know, guys like that. (laughs) So it's, that's the the whole thing is one league. I got the names, right. One league, I got the names wrong and I'm okay with, you know, it, it, first of all, it does make it a lot easier to feel like, okay, so, you know, same approach, just different names. Uh, 
one of them worked one of them <coughs> just <coughs> excuse me hit the worst case scenario but even if i'm you know just to isolate the one league where i'm in the worst case scenario i'm still kind of willing to accept that you know mm-hmm. i'm i'm willing to say uh it was it was worth every single one of those moves because what is the likelihood that i lose every single one of those startable running backs in the span of one week. Yeah. And the real only negative outcome that can really come out of this is in the off season, you sell all these guys because they had the audacity to get injured, right? Like that is not what you need to do is overreact and say like, well, shit, this strategy doesn't work. Obviously, they all get hurt all the time. They're running backs. What a stupid idea. No, <laughs> you just got unlucky, man. Like in this yeah. other league, you're undefeated. You know, I don't know if that's <laughs> true, but you hit these really high outcomes at running back and they're super variant. Like that's what you're buying into with wide, with eyes wide open. And you just have to like accept it in the off season when a lot of these running backs, the Brian Robinsons of the world, they aren't really worth anything. But come week four of next year, you're going to be happy you have all these guys again. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, the only the only thing that I really lose is a little bit of a win now window with uh, Cooper Cup and Keenan Allen. But yeah. um, it, and that might not necessarily go away and, you know, it, before 2024. So it, it there should at least be the ability to get a little bit younger at wide receiver and still be just fine. So, um, but yeah, the, the, the one other thing that I feel like I could have done differently at running back is just to compartmentalize the stages of the season a little bit better. Like instead of getting all the guys who are starting right now and producing right now and saying, you know, as long as these guys stay healthy the rest of the season, you know, they're they're going to continue to be league winner type of guys. Brian Robinson, Ramondre Stevenson. There should have been a little bit more, uh, a, a little bit more variance there, a, a little bit more um, diversity in terms of what part of the season are these players likely to be viable. There should yeah. have been a little bit more. And, and I mean, again, like this is why I, I talk about this. But this is the argument for handcuffing your running backs. You know, if I had handcuffed Brian Robinson with with Antonio Gibson, this isn't even a, an issue right now. You know, yeah. if I handcuffed DeAndre Swift with Kenny Gainwell, like we're not even talking about this right now. I'm still feeling great going into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like the phasing of the season. So coming into the season with three top 24 running backs, let's say, and a whole bunch of backups, knowing that the attrition is going to start accumulating. And then around week four or five, we're going to have bye weeks. And so you're willing to maybe drop down to two or even one starting running back with injuries. So you get a little bit leaner and rely on backups through the middle weeks. And then about this time of year, maybe a week or two earlier, buying into those running backs again, from these failed contenders, you know, sort of pillaging these husks of rosters to pull a Tony Pollard away cheap. And you didn't have to hold that risk through the entirety of the year. I I love that approach that you take. I think it's a really smart and savvy one. 
It's mostly about just timing the market correctly, though, because mm-hmm. it's it's difficult. You have to actually buy running backs in the offseason when everyone is telling you not to. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I think that's going to be a theme for us when we get to the non-point scoring season, because everybody's going to be telling you now is not the time to be to buy running backs. Yeah. And we're going to be saying that makes them cheap. And that's why we're buying right now. <laughs> so, yeah. And totally. you know what? We're going to get some of them wrong. Some of them won't even make it to the season, but you know, a, a, enough of them will. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you just keep taking the same approach. You just kind of just, st- we're looking ahead, looking around corners, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of what you have to do at running back. And it needs to be a constant, uh, a constant theme. Yeah. Yeah, Delvin Cook was a top 24 running back in February of this year. And he's, you know, not even rosterable anymore. That's the right. reality of the running back position. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, there's several other guys that <laughs> like that too. Um, like Cam Akers, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I'm looking forward to more of that, that type of conversation. Um and I think that a lot of people are kind of ready for for more dynasty, more off season type of content. So um, I think we're going to have to mix more and more of that in. We don't want to abandon the contenders, um, but there's also kind of less to do in terms of uh, you know in season management. You also have less people to contend with on waivers. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, so I, I think that we can start to uh, uh, to balance it a little bit more and start setting the table for our uh, our off season conversations. And man, yeah. am I looking forward to that! And and to keep it tight, we try to you know only be in your ears for about an hour um, for this SOP uh, episode. Maybe you and I can do an auxiliary episode soon and just talk a little strategy because I am dying to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Same here. Yep. Yeah. We'll figure out what the what the best topic is for us. Um, right at the moment, I feel like I need to do another untilting. But in <laughs> in terms of an actual like strategy session, yeah, we'll uh we'll come up with a topic and we'll uh we'll we'll uh sit down and record that soon. Good, but for man. the moment, yeah. For the moment, though, you you have your standard operating procedures for the week. All that's left for you to do is go and execute, punch your ticket to the playoffs, and then uh, see where we can go from there. So let's go ahead and wrap this one up for the week. And as we do that, ask you for a quick favor. If you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also subscribe to the DLF Family of, Make- DLF Family of Podcasts Megafeed. Get access to all the great podcasts from DLF. Once you've subscribed to the Super Show, if you give us a rating and review, it really helps us to reach out to more people, involve more people in the ongoing conversation. And from there, we just have more opportunities to drill down to the topics that are the most useful to you, our super friends. You can get at us on X. He's at FFTommyB. I'm at SuperFlexDude. This episode was dedicated in loving memory to James Brank Toulis. Thank you to DLF for the platform. Thank you to Heart and Soul Radio for the music. And above all else, thank you for listening. And until next week, stay sexy and super flexy. Oh,